Good morning, Vanguard. Fear is not your future. Amen? Fear is not your future. One more time. Fear is not your future. God is. God is. And God wants you to know something. He's already lived your future. He knows what it feels like. He knows before one day was, he knows them all to be. And one of the things that I hate, that John, I think you probably hate this too. I hate it when God takes away my illusion of control over my life. Did you catch that? I hated Tim when God takes away my illusion of control over my circumstances. I hate it when I think I know what's going to occur and God does something different. And God is saying to us today, fear is not your future. I am. And so my challenge to you this series is can you invite God in to the areas where you thought you were in control and it turns out you weren't? You thought you could do something about a situation. Turns out you couldn't. And can you also invite him into areas of your life that you think because of your performance, it didn't turn out like it was supposed to. Can you take your hands off of the control that is the illusion of control? And can you say to God, God, you are my future. Amen? Amen. Listen to these words. Let him turn it in your favor. What is it in your life that you need to say to God, God, I need you to turn that into my favor. Watch him work it for your good because he's not done with what he started. He's not done until what? Until it's good. So what in your life is not good yet? You go that and 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 that. Well, guess what? He's not done. He's not done. He's not done. So let him turn it to your favor. He's not done until it's good. Hello, peace. Hello, joy. Hello, love. Hello, strength. Hello, hope. It's a new horizon. Hello, peace. Hello, joy. If you're ready for a breakthrough, yeah, just open up and receive because what he's pouring out is nothing you've ever seen. And so where in your life do you need to say to God in expectancy as a resilient person, God, I will not, I will not receive the voices of fear. I will not receive the voices of hopelessness. I will not receive the deceptive voices that try to tell me that God is not good. Amen? Come on, I don't think you're convinced yet. Amen? Amen. Amen. 
I want to invite you today to share the service. I want to invite you to be a virtual evangelist. I want to invite you this week to to not just share the service. If you're watching online, good morning. I don't want to just invite you to share the service. I also want to invite you to say to someone this week, go on my social media page and watch this service. If you are discouraged, if you are defeated, if the voice of fear is consuming your life, I want to challenge you to go watch this, engage this series, and let's learn that God already knows the future. He already knows the future. And I appreciate when people put on social media, prayer works. But listen, prayer doesn't work if you ain't praying to the right one. God works through prayer, and God is working through your life, and as God works through your prayers, and as God works through your life, you have to say to God, God, I need you to silence all those other voices. I need you to silence all those other voices, and Pastor Aaron, when that smile went across your face, I stepped into the throne room of heaven this morning. When I saw that smile on your face, when I saw that joy, because I know your story, I know your journey, when you stepped into that freedom that you stepped into this morning, I stepped into it with you. And there are people that are going to step into the throne room of God with you if you can say to God, God, I don't understand the circumstances of my life, but I'm going to step into worshiping you. I'm going to believe by faith that you are good, and I'm going to ask you to show me, God, how I can trust that you're the God of my future and that there is good that's going to come from all the bad of my life. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. I encourage you to share this morning, invite others to join in with you. We're going to begin this new series in the book of Ezekiel, and we'll refer to him from here on, Len, as Zeke, okay? So we're going to study the prophet Zeke over the next few months, and we're going to see out of this, through his hearing of God, we're going to see how God can strengthen the story of our lives And I want to encourage you, we're going to transition to a different version of the Bible. Uh, I didn't say translation, I said version. Because I want you to be able to understand the language of what is taking place. Because Zeke did one or two things. Either he saw and heard from God, or he was on a Colorado mountain doing some psychedelics, all right? There are no other options. I mean... This is some weird, sideways, strange stuff that we're going to look at. There is no other book of the Bible besides Daniel and Revelation that has this weird, strange things. But I want you to understand that there is significance to all the weird, strange stuff that we're going to see. And we'll unpack some of it. We'll understand some of it. And we'll ask God then to speak into the weird, strange stuff of our lives. And so I want you in your mind today, as we begin 2023, I want you to say to the Lord, fear is not my future. You are. You ready? Let's practice. Fear is not my future. You are. Let's try it again. Fear is not my future. 
you are. One more time. Fear is not my future. You are. Amen. Amen. Let's look at Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 1. We're going to go to verse 28, and toward the end of the message today, we're going to watch a testimony uh, from a couple of longtime Vanguardians that are going to talk to us about hearing the voice of God. Look at Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 1. On the 31st day of July, on the 31st day of July, Zeke says, of my 30th year, while I was with the Judean exiles, the Israelites, beside the Kabar River, where? In where? Oh, in circumstances not ideal. In darkness, in utter doom, depression, discouragement, and destruction. Do you know what's interesting about this verse? And there's a lot that we get from it. July 31st of my 30th year, so Zeke was 30 years old when this vision comes to him, when he experiences this. So think about that. Anybody in the room 30? Anybody in the room going to be 30 this year? Pastor Aaron. All right, here we go. We might start calling you Zeke, by the way. All right? No, no, you don't, want, you don't want to see this stuff. All right. July 31st of my 30th year, that was, and we know this because they went into exile in 593. So we know that Zeke was born July 31st, 623 B.C., 2,646 years ago. 623 years prior to the coming of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, Zeke was born. And then 593 years prior to the birth of the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, Zeke is going to see Jesus with his own eyes. He's going to hear the voice of Jesus with his own ears. I mean, this is strange and amazing stuff. All of us may say, well, I don't know if I hear God, and I don't know if I know my buddy hears him, and I know my sister hears him, and I know this, and I know that. No, listen to me. This is strange and bizarre. Even for the average fanatical follower of God, this was weird, way out stuff. And on his 30th birthday, isn't that cool? The heavens were open. Guess what? I saw visions of God. I saw visions of God. This happened during the fifth year of King Jehoiachin's captivity. The Lord gave this message to me, Ezekiel's son of Buzza, a priest there beside the Kabar River in the land of the Babylonians. I love this. I felt the hand. Catch this. I felt the hand of the Lord take a hold of me. Whoa. Whoa. I don't know for you, I come in here for worship and Pastor Aaron, like like in that last song, uh, Melissa, in that last song, like all of a sudden, I like stepped into the throne room of heaven and I felt the weight of my life lift off of me. 
And I'm like, whoa, there it is. There's that moment. There's that moment of transfiguration. There's that moment of experiencing God. There's that moment when I feel God touch me and pull me out of my circumstances. And I say to myself, I hope my circumstances go away, right? But they're not going to. But there's those moments in our lives when God is going to touch us. And we're going to feel it. And and I want you to know that what we're going to talk about in Ezekiel's life, in Zeke's life, is not rare for the follower of Jesus Christ. God wants to do much of this, maybe not exactly, but much of this in our lives in 2023. Amen? But listen to me. You got to want it. You got to want it. You got to want it. And you're going to have to push through some fear and some discouragement and some hopelessness to get it. And so I just want to encourage you to say to the Lord as we go through this series, and we'll say it over and over again fear is not my future. You are. You are. You are. Sickness is not my future. You are. Death is not the end, it's the last enemy. But death is not the end. You are. You are God. And so what I'm giving you permission to do is that you have got to start speaking apostolically into your own life if you're going to be used by God to speak into other people's lives. You have got to say that God has made me the apostle of my own life and I have got to speak truth over my life before I can speak it over other people's lives. Amen? And so God is raising up this spirit of apostleship and God is asking you to speak truth over your life first so that then others can see the smile on your face and it can be spoken over their life. But that's your choice. That's your choice. That's your choice. That's my choice in 2023. Now, let me give you some historical context because of the significance of the book of Ezekiel. What's curious about the book of Ezekiel is Ezekiel is bookend, you ready? Ezekiel is bookend by the words of Jeremiah on the front end and the words of Daniel on the back end. Talk about some sandwich pressure here. Don't screw this up, Zeke, all right? I mean, we know what Jeremiah went through. Oh, my goodness. We know how God used Daniel. I'll just say this. Out of all, and I've preached through, this is the 63rd book of the Bible I've preached through at Vanguard. We've got three more to go, First and Second Kings and Ezra, and we will have taught through the whole Bible here at Vanguard. Out of all the 63 books that I've taught through thus far at Vanguard, what do you think was the most spiritual warfare book of the 63 I've taught through? The book of Daniel, by far, by far. I was so glad when that series was over, oh my goodness. Because, you say, how come? Because Daniel, what he prophesied, you ready? It still hasn't all come true yet. 
He prophesied the Antichrist. He prophesied the end of the world. He prophesied all the things that took place to realign the world, to head the direction of Jesus. Like that was a big door that God asked Daniel to to basically carry in his life. And it was amazing, and he carried it. And what's interesting is, is that Hezekiah was happy that God's judgment didn't come in his lifetime. You know who it came on? Daniel. Now, you ready? How many of us, no show of hands, how many of us would happily suffer for the sins of our forefathers so that God could give us a vision for our ancestors to come, for our descendants to come? That's what Daniel did. And so Ezekiel's responsibility is to understand what Jeremiah said, speak what God spoke to him, and to prepare the world and God's people for the word that would come through the prophet Daniel in his day. So look at Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. Because by the way, Ezekiel had this in his day. Daniel had this in his day. And I want us to go back so that it'll frame our discussion moving forward. Look at Jeremiah 29, 11. By the way, Jeremiah 29 is one of the most quoted ver- of chapters of the Bible throughout history. And it should be, by the way. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all exiles whom I've sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them. Now let's stop here just a second. I mean, COVID's turned everything upside down. Pandemic, you know, we got all this craziness. You know, two years ago, we couldn't get any toilet paper. Last year, we couldn't get any baby formula. This year, why are eggs so expensive, right? I mean, we've got, it never ends, right? We go to the grocery store this week, and the woman there's like, oh, you're buying some of the gold. And I guess that's what we refer to as eggs now, right? All these, all these simple things in life, these exiles, they understood it. Build houses. Live in them. Hey, don't give up on life because it's difficult and don't freak out so much that you stop living. So build houses, live in them. Plant gardens. Eat their produce. Plant a garden. Eat its produce. Take wives, have sons and daughters. Take wives to your sons. Give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there, there being Babylon. And do not decrease. Don't back down. But seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find welfare. If you seek to bless others around you, God will bless you. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams that they dream. For it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I didn't send them, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord, verse 10. Very important, very important words here. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, okay, I'm going to visit you. And I'm going to fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. Now, if I'm Zeke, I'm going, okay, 30 plus 70, I'll be 100. My life will be over. Who cares like Hezekiah? No. 
No, don't be that person. Don't be the person that does the math and figure out that you're not going to be the one to benefit. Be Zeke who says, I will be faithful with what God has called me to be. I understand that I'm going to spend the predominant nature of my life, if not all of it, in this context. And I will be used by God no matter what it costs me, no matter how painful it is, no matter how discouraged or depressed I become, I will stand and say to God, if you can use my life, use it. Use it. And I highly encourage you, if you haven't gotten any resolutions yet, add that one to your list. Listen to what he says. 70 years are complete. I'm going to visit you. I'm going to fulfill to my promise. I'm going to bring you back. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me, come and pray to me. I'm going to hear you. You'll seek me and find me. When you seek me with all your heart, I'll be found by you, declares the Lord. I'll restore your fortunes, gather you from all the nations and the places where I've driven you, declares the Lord. I'm going to bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. And then look what happens after 70 years. We go to the other book in Daniel 9.1. It was the first year of the reign of Darius the Mede, who became the king of the Babylonians. During the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, learned from reading the word of the Lord as revealed to Jeremiah the prophet that Jerusalem must lie desolate for 70 years. Isn't that cool? And so I turned to the Lord God and I pleaded with him in prayer, fasting. I also wore rough burlap and sprinkled myself with ashes. I prayed to the Lord uh, my God and confessed, O Lord, you are great and awesome. You always fulfill your covenant, your promises of unfailing love to those who love you and obey your commands. But we've sinned. We've done wrong. We've rebelled against you, scorned your commands and regulations. We refuse to listen to your servants, the prophets, who spoke on your authority to our king and prince and ancestors, all the people of the land. Lord, you are right. But as you see, our faces are covered with shame. Amen? I can relate. This is true of all of us including the people of Judah, Jerusalem, and all Israel scattered near and far, wherever you've driven us because of our disloyalty to you. O Lord, our God, hear your servants' prayer. Listen as I plead for your own sake, Lord. Smile again on your desolate sanctuary. You know what's beautiful about this? God fulfills Daniel's request through these two people. You may have heard of them, Ezra and Nehemiah. Pretty cool. Pretty cool stuff. And this promise is still true for us today. Look at Ezekiel 1.4. As I look, I saw a great storm coming toward me from the north. Driving before it a huge cloud, that flash of lightning shone with brilliant light. There was fire inside the cloud, and in the middle of the fire glowed something like gleaming amber. What a spectacular image. Look at verse 5. From the center of the cloud came four living beings that looked human except that each had four faces and four wings. Their legs are straight, their feet had hooves like those of a calf, and shone like burnished bronze. Under each of their four wings, I could see human hands. So each of the four beings had four faces, four wings. The wings of each living being touched the wings of the beings beside it. So there was continuity, there was synergy, there was unity is the point here. Each one moved forward straight in any direction without turning around. 
Each had a human face in the front and the face of a lion on the right side, the face of an ox on the left side, the face of an eagle at the back. Each had two pairs of outstretched wings, one pair stretched out to the touch of the wings of a living being on either side of it. And the other pair covered its body. They went in whatever direction the spirit chose and they moved straight forward in any direction without turning around. The living beings looked like bright coals of fire or brilliant torches. Lightning seemed to flash back and forth among them. The living beings darted to and fro like flashes of lightning. Can you imagine going to coffee and one of your friends telling you they saw this? You go, I've got a specialist I can recommend for this. As I looked at these, I saw four wheels turn, touching the ground beside them. One wheel belonging to each. The wheel sparkled as if made of burl. All four wheels looked like were made of the same. And each wheel had second wheel turning crosswise within it. The beings could move in any of the four directions they faced without turning as they moved. The rims of the four wheels were tall and frightening and they were covered with eyes all around. When the living beings moved, the wheels moved with them. When, the, when they flew upward, the wheels went up too. The spirit of the living beings was in the wheels. So whenever the spirit went, the wheels and the living beings also went. Continuity here. When the beings stopped, the wheels stopped. When the beings flew upward, the wheels rose up, for the spirit of the living beings was in the wheels. And spread out above them was a surface like the sky, glittering like crystal. Beneath the surface, the wings of each living being stretched out to touch the other wings, and each had two wings covering its body. And as they flew, their wings sounded to me like waves crashing against the shore, or like the voice of the Almighty, or like the shouting of a mighty army. And when they stopped, they let down their wings. As they stood with wings lowered, a voice spoke from beyond the crystal surface above them. Now I want to stop there just a second. And I want you to look at this uh, image up on the screen. Sorry for the kind of little bit of blurriness of it, but this is one of the images of some sort. And it's a very close image because I wanted you to see some of the detail. I wanted you to see some of the kind of the weirdness of what Zeke saw. And I want you to understand that when God speaks, he chooses to speak in a way that requires you to ask him what he means by what he says, okay? And that's really important in this series. I find that we as followers of Jesus Christ, if we can get over the hump of hearing from God, we then struggle with wanting to tell God what it means by what he says, as opposed to asking him, what does this mean? What are you saying to us, God? And I mean, this is some weirdness, right? Like, have you ever seen anything like this in your sleep? If you do, you might say to the Lord, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, what are you trying to say? Look at verse 26. Above this surface was something that looked like a throne made of blue. Somebody say it. Can someone pronounce this? Lapis lazuli. You go, what is that? I can't make this stuff up. It's Kentucky blue. God is my witness. I looked it up. You can look it up. Go home and look it up. And we're going to come back to this in three weeks. This is significant. The color is significant. And I want you to understand something. God speaks through everything and everyone. He does. Sometimes he shows us what not to do. Sometimes he shows us what to do. God will use a myriad of things 
What does God use in your life? What symbol, what image, what does God use in your life to get your attention? You go, I don't know, never thought about it. Start thinking about it. Start thinking about the narrative of your life and what color does God use, what narrative does God use in your life to get your attention. And on this throne, high above, was a figure whose appearance resembled a man. Uh Uh-oh. There we go. And from what appeared to be his waist up, he looked like gleaming amber flickering like a fire. And from his waist down, he looked like a burning flame shining with splendor. And all around him was a glowing halo, like a rainbow shining in the clouds on a rainy day. This is what the glory of the Lord looked like to me. Now let's fast forward. Let's go to almost uh, roughly seven to 800 years later to Revelation 19.11. And the apostle John, the revelator, John the revelator received this vision. I saw heaven opened and a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True, for he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. His eyes were like flames of fire, and on his head were many crowns. A name was written on him that no one understood except himself. He wore the robe dipped in blood, and his title was the Word of God. See, these visions are about the same creature, the same being, and his name is Jesus. So look at Zeke's response. When I saw it, I fell face down on the ground. I heard someone's voice speaking to me. So, someone's voice. He didn't recognize it. Never heard it before. Never heard this voice. Someone was speaking to me. And so when we began to prepare this series, I said to the teaching team, anybody got a story where God spoke to you and didn't know it was God at first? And Candace Kovacs said, yeah. Watch this. I think it's important to note that God doesn't have to speak audibly, but there's lots of ways that God speaks. And this is just one experience I've had two in my life. Um, and this was the first one. And it was in 1996, and Craig and I were engaged to be married and the family that I was living with lived near Panama City Beach so we were located in Florida and there wasn't anything interesting or unique about the day that I remember except that Craig was late and Craig is almost never late and so it was uh, a frenzied uh, busy pickup we had a date and he was coming right from the base and he picked me up and we were discussing everyday things, you know, um, are we going to reschedule our our time or um, do we want to change where we're going? And so we got in the car in that kind of mindset. Craig started the car and he was driving and I was riding in the passenger seat. And in the South, if you've ever been to the South, you know, the South doesn't really have streets in their neighborhoods. It's more like a lane. It's one narrow piece of blacktop and then there's silty sand on each side. And so when you're driving down the lane, it's tight and narrow and the stop signs are are low to the ground and 
we were probably 40 yards maybe from a stop sign. At that stop sign, it's a T intersection. You either turn left or you turn right, therefore. Left will take you deep into a residential area and right will take you to the strip. Well, the strip is where you have all of the restaurants and one of our favorite restaurants was on the strip. And so that's where we were planning on going. So he would pick me up and we would always make a right-hand turn at the stop sign because left made no sense at all. So we're about 40 yards, maybe 30 yards from the stop sign and we're, we're tooling along. And I think what strikes me most now in reflecting about this story is how much detail I can remember. And I have a very poor memory, but for me, looking back, it, it was so vivid and I can remember what Craig was wearing and I can remember what the day was like. And I think so many times the Holy Spirit is sealing in our memory a moment we're about to have with him so that we can go back to it again and again. So we experience it, we don't just remember. And the reason I say that is because tooling down that narrow little sand-covered lane, almost to the stop sign, I heard a voice in the car. I remember it was a man's voice, I remember it was very deep, and I remember it had a lot of timber to it. And it was so vivid, it said, don't turn right. And I remember turning so quickly in my seat and thinking that in all of our busyness, all of the distraction, somehow Craig had forgotten to mention that he brought one of the other lieutenants from a squadron. We were taking someone with us. I don't know. I didn't know how to explain it, but I heard a male voice in the back seat, And I was so certain a human being was going to be sitting there, certain of it. And there was nobody there. And it didn't repeat itself. The voice didn't say, don't turn right again. I had one shot to hear it, and I heard it. And I didn't. And he didn't. And so he's telling me about his day. And he's just going on with his story. And I'm having a moment. I mean, I'm doing this over and over again, because I can't make sense of it. I know what I heard, I know what I see, but what I heard doesn't match what I... At that point, that's one key way you have to know you're experiencing the supernatural. So right about this time, I hear the turn signal going, ta-ting, 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 and we're at the stop sign. And I turn at this point and I realize Craig has stopped talking and he's just looking at me. And I said, didn't you hear that? I didn't hear it. <laughs> And he said, no, but, but you did. And he said, what did you hear? And I said, don't turn right. Now there's a hundred responses that any of us could come up with to that story. You know, are you, are you losing it? Are you imagining it? Is this, am I being pranked? <laughs> What's happening? But he didn't. He looked at me and he did this long blink and then I heard the turn signal stop and then start again. Ta tink, ta tink. Like I can hear that in my mind. And then he starts moving the wheel and we turned left. And then we had made it maybe 20 yards down the road. And we heard a 
I think, one of the most terrible sounds. And it was the sound of squealing tires and then colliding metal. And it seemed to go on for a long time. And Craig pulled over on this little sandy lane and we both turned around to look out the rear window. What is going on? Well, the distance from the stop sign to the major intersection of the strip is very short. And there had been a massive collision in the intersection. And there was smoke and debris and chaos. And we just looked at each other because we realized that had we turned right, we would have been in that intersection. There's no doubt in my mind that the space is right, the distance is right, the timing was right. We would have been in that intersection. And sadly, in the news the next day, eight people died in that accident. And that's tragic. But what I know is that two others didn't because a voice said, don't turn right. And I remember when I was telling the story in teaching team, a very reasonable response was, why do you think God, the question was asked of me, why do you think God told you, don't turn right? And the eight other people who passed away, why didn't he tell them? Whatever their version was, step on the brakes or go around the block or, you know, whatever that could have been for them. Why did he tell you and he didn't tell them? And I remember Fike in the room responding, how do you know he didn't? How do you know he didn't? Because I don't know. I can only tell you what he told us. None of us, the point is that none of us can, with a certainty or degree of absolute, say this is how God speaks. So we came to the intersection and God said, don't turn right. So we turned left. He didn't say turn left, he said don't turn right. So we came to that intersection and we had a choice to make. And hearing God's voice, we had a choice. You can be fearful of hearing that voice. You can not take action based on hearing that voice. You can dismiss it. And in our situation, it would have ended much more tragically. Mm -hmm. And so we made the choice because we heard his voice to turn left. And we turned left. And today we're here to tell you about it. Yeah, and I mean, it is human to be afraid of an experience that maybe you've never had. That is a human emotion that cannot override my faith in God. I cannot allow it to do that. And if I'm afraid, then I'm quicker to dismiss God, to call it coincidence, to call it um, the universe or the cosmos or kismet or fate or destiny or my imagination or whatever the case may be and we stiff arm him and we exclude him and we miss this incredible opportunity where your life could be changing in that moment and it's up to you in his infinite mercy it's up to you to decide have you heard his voice 
and you dismissed it? Mm-hmm. Have you heard his voice and you explained it away as other? Mm-hmm. The next time you hear his voice, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Are you going to live in fear or are you going to take action? Can you guys give Craig and Candace a hand? Wasn't that beautiful? Two challenges and one verse and we'll be done here. Ask Jesus to visit you in a dream or a vision. You go, I can't do that. Why can't you? Well, because that would freak me out. Because I've never experienced that. Ask Jesus to visit you in a vision or a dream. And when he does... When you wake up, immediately write it down. You get, how, how come? Um, well, if you're like me, by noon, Steve, you can't remember, any, you can't remember what you have for breakfast, right? So, or, or even if you had breakfast, you can't remember. You go, did I eat? Did I not eat? So when it happens, you go, I'm not a journaler. Okay, that's fine. I mean, Tasha uh, taught me to journal. And as Kirk said to me at the door this morning, Tasha should write a book on journaling. Couldn't agree more. If you're not a journaler, that's fine. Get a notebook and write it down. Second challenge. Ask Jesus to speak directly to you in your real life. Ask Jesus to speak directly to you in your real life. You say, what about? That's up to you. That's up to you. But ask him, say, God, what do you want to tell me about this situation? What do you want to tell me about this relationship? And then look at this final verse, John 10, 27. My sheep listen to my voice. So after you ask him, you know what's most important about praying? You go, yeah, i got to tell God. No, (laughs) that's important. But the most important thing about praying is listening to what God has to say. You say, well, why do I need to tell him anything? Because that's called humbling yourself. And when you physically tell God you want to hear from him, you are demonstrating a posture of humility. And the Bible says that God gives grace to the humble. He resists the proud. And so we run to him in humility and we ask him, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life. They will never perish and no one will snatch them away from me. This is all I want to say to you today, and and then I'll pray, and Tasha will lead us in communion. If you want God to be your future, you have to invite him into your present. You go, really? That's Yes, that's it. If you want God to be your future, 
you have to invite him into your present circumstances. You go, well, I don't know how this is going to go. Join the team. I don't either. Do you know what the hardest thing is about leading? You don't know any more than anybody else does. You get to just get out in front and be the loudest idiot in the parade for his glory and everybody's good. And that's an honor that he bestows upon us as a vanguard. For almost 26 years, he's asked us to take risk, to get out front, and to do what's necessary for others to experience the hope he has for them. I want to encourage you to dedicate 2023 to the Lord today. And I'm going to invite you, and Tasha's going to do the same, but I'm going to invite you to make a practice because here's what I've observed. Sorry, I'm going to throw the nine o'clock under the bus for a second. Nobody comes to the altar in the nine o'clock service, but tons of people do in the 11. Does anybody know why? Could you tell me why in the nine o'clock that nobody in this service comes to the altar? I, I really don't know. Is it because we're older in our faith and we don't, we, you know, we don't want to do that? I don't know. But I, I see every week in the 11 o'clock, I see more and more people coming to the altar to pray. But I don't see it in this service. And I'm not telling you you have to. And I'm not going to be upset if you don't, okay? My job is just to point out the obvious, okay? Remember, I'm the head idiot that's declaring in front of the parade. But let me just tell you something. If you want God's favor over this year, he rewards humility. And whatever humble act he asks you to do, whatever that is, and that's not my place to tell you what it is, I pray you'll not turn right, that you'll listen in Jesus' name. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, your word is good. Your word is powerful. It's life-giving. It doesn't just change this life. It changes people forever. And we always base, because we're human, we always base our hope on our circumstances. But you never base the hope you give us on our circumstances. It's always based on who you are and what you're going to ultimately do through those circumstances. And that is the distance between us and you, God, one of the distances. And so, Lord, we trust you. We trust you. You're not safe, but you're good. And we trust you. In Jesus' name, and all God's children said, amen. God bless you. Happy 2023.